exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. So how does uh, Cheer Classic tie in with um, the breast cancer philanthropy that your sorority does? Well, all of the money that we raise from um, Cheer Classic goes straight to breast cancer awareness and education. A lot of it goes to Susan G. Komen Foundation. Um, we try and encourage all of the teams to not only raise money themselves, but to also show their spirit by dressing in pink. So a lot of the teams try and incorporate pink into their uniforms or whatever costumes they're wearing for the day. Um, one of my favorites was two years ago, uh, Rochester High School. They had made sashes that went across their tops, and on each sash it said in celebration or in memory of a different person. And I thought that was really cool because they were all so young, but they were still very into the cause. All right. Now what's the significance of the color pink? Um, pink is the color for breast cancer. I mean, every ribbon you see, especially during the month of October, they all signify just to raise awareness about it. Now, um, you've mentioned a couple of like the teams about Cheer Classic, but what exactly is Cheer Classic? Cheer Classic is a cheerleading competition that we hold for our high schoolers, all-stars teams, and recreational teams. Um, like I said, it's just all to raise money for breast cancer. Um, this year we're holding it at the Jenison Field House um, this Sunday on October 22nd. All right. And, um, well, I guess, uh, where are the teams coming from? We have, <clears throat> excuse me, we have teams coming from all over the state. Um, in the past two years, we had 12 teams attend each um, year and this year we're expecting 30 teams so we're really excited and this year they're coming from more all over the state the past two years they've been kind of around the Lansing area and a little bit of Detroit so we're expanding our um, event throughout the state. So um, I I guess like what extra effort have you guys had to put in um, with the the number of teams just doubling? We have to count on twice as many people coming, and um, a lot of them are busing in, like, family members, and I know we talked to a team yesterday who is carpooling up here so they can bring tons of people, so we've just had to count for more people as far as food is concerned, and we also have, like, raffles, so we're trying to make sure that we have enough items that we can raffle off for everyone. And also, um, in the past two years when we did it, we used to be at the IM West, but we kind of outgrew it. Even the stands and the teams, we couldn't fit in there anymore, so we moved it to the Jenison Fieldhouse to better accommodate the growing amount of teams that are arriving. Um, Why do you think that uh, the number of participants has increased? I think that um, the teams that have joined us in the past have been very loyal to our um, event, and they've passed on good word of what our event is about and like the whole purpose of it to their team like other friends and coaches and um, I just think it's gotten very good word around people. And this year we also teamed up with Linda Fox. She founded Cheer for Charity and Carla Kolbeck who is the owner of Capital Cheer All-Stars. So I think that that helped because they had more contact with people. So that brought in a lot of like a lot more teams. Excellent. So, um, I guess, like, what, uh, do, do you guys break down uh, the competition by age or um, by um, maybe different regions? Like, how do you guys um, begin to go about judging the different teams for this? Well, we have, at 9 o'clock in the morning, we're starting off with our recreational and high school teams. Um, they, because it's an MHSA-approved um, event, we will not be judging their 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 performances. Um, 
they're just going to be able to get SPEAR awards. We have plenty of awards that we're giving out that day that they're going to be eligible for. It's pretty much they bring their um, like their homecoming performances or it's it's a good practice. It's a good exhibition competition for them before their actual competition um, season begins. And then in the afternoon we are, I think around 1 o'clock should be the all-star teams will begin and they're actually being judged. We have four judges that are going to be there to judge their performances and they'll get evaluated and then they also have plenty of awards that they're eligible to receive. What does an all-star team mean? An all-star team is usually it's originated in a gym and they have different age level of teams that perform and they work all year round. They go into plenty of competitions. They're very dedicated to their sport. Um, that's pretty much what it is. They're all over the state. They're very popular. It's a good way of getting younger girls started in cheerleading if that's what they're hoping to do later on in high school. And it's, it's a very good program. All right. Cool. Now, um, are there any college-age students who are going to be participating? We actually are having the, um, the all-girls MSU competitive team come and perform. So that sh we're really excited about that because they're very good. Um, and the MSU prom team will be there as well performing in the afternoon. All right. Um, so are they performing after the event? Um, the MSU competitive cheer, um, since the day is divided in half between the all-star and the recreational teams and high school teams, in the morning, MSU competitive cheer will be performing after the high school teams while we evaluate the awards and such. And then um, in the afternoon when the award ceremony for the all-star team, before that happens while we're doing their judging sheets, will be the MSU POM team's performance. All right. So um, is this a, sort of a, a new addition to um, this year's event? Um, we've had um, the MSC Competitive Cheer. They've come the past two years, which has been great. We're always excited to have them back. And then this is the first year that the MSU POM team will be there with us. Excellent. Um, so I guess, like, what have you guys been doing to prepare for this event? Well, we started back in May. A lot of it was um, we wanted to get a professional website, so it was working around that. We look for donations all throughout the summer for anything that we can auction off in basket auction, <coughs> silent auction, or um, anything we might need, such as food or other services throughout the day. And then it's also just getting things approved and trying to contact as many teams as possible to come and join in with us. All right. Now, is this the first year that you guys have worked on this particular project? Like, in, uh, individually, it's not just the, the sorority. Um, I've, we've all been required to go to the event the past two years, but as far as being in charge, this is our first year doing it. Okay. So, um, what types of responsibilities have you guys taken on, like, individually? I've contacted a bunch of different corporations and businesses, not just in Lansing, but all over, and tried to get them to donate or contribute to Cheer Classic in some way. And we've actually been really successful with a lot of businesses in the area and even big corporations who are more than willing to help us out. Um, Chipotle gave us a bunch of meal cards. Ford has donated scarves that they... Um, sell for breast cancer awareness because they're one of the big corporate sponsors so we're able to sell those at our event and jamspiritsites.com has donated our entire website and they're going to maintenance it for us um, I've pretty much been working on getting the teams and that's been a pretty big responsibility just because we have been working really hard on trying to make this a bigger competition we want this to be a competition that every team wants to come to um, 
a professional competition. So that's been our goal. And by getting more teams, it makes we get the word out, and it's it's just a lot of fun. It makes it more fun. Um, I've been in charge basically of the actual event, so um, securing the Jenison Field House, anything, any forms that need to be filled out, and then um, help are finding any volunteers that we need, so the judges and the DJ and um, like an EMT, things like that. And then also there's a committee of about 20, 25 girls in our house that are in charge of um, various jobs that are going to be done there throughout the day, so I help and manage that committee and just work with them on what needs to be prepared for the event. Now, um, even though you guys have put on this event in the years past, what if um, some of the challenges that you guys have faced um, in taking on like new leadership with uh, this particular event? I think a lot of it is um, trying to contact the teams only because cheerleading coaches can change every single year. They don't necessarily work in the school, so you can't even contact the school sometimes to try and get them and trying to encourage them to come to your event. Um, a big challenge this year was that um, high school teams can only perform at MHSAA-approved um, competitions. And so we were able to get that approval, but a lot of times teams are hesitant. They don't want to break the rules because they think they might be in coming to our event. But trying to get the word out that it's okay to be for them to be there only because it's just an exhibition. Um, what else Some companies are hesitant to donate again because um, we usually held the event in February. So we actually had True Classic in February, and then it was so soon that we had it again that a lot of companies didn't want to donate at first until they realized that we're going to have it in October from now on. Um, and then a lot of companies, you have to go through their corporate office, and that takes months to approve. So that was one of the big problems mm -hmm. I had. Oh, okay. Um, so um, what is something that you guys are looking forward to uh, as this event approaches? I just am really excited just for the actual day of the event. I love seeing all the cheerleaders and the performances, and I love seeing how they incorporate it into their routine just with their spirit, they embrace the entire philanthropy, and I just love it. Mm -hmm. I think it's great to see young girls who might not know much about breast cancer, like, just take it on as if they do, and to be very enthusiastic about the cause, and bring a survivor and all their family, and it's just, it's really cool to see everyone come together to work for towards something that could potentially affect any one of us. I just can't wait to see it all come together and people to be happy and like excited about something that we've all worked so hard on and see um, how it turns out. Who can attend the event? The event is open to anybody who'd like to come. It begins at um, 9 a.m. on Sunday at the Jenison Field House, and we'll be go we'll be there until 5 p.m. performances all day. So we encourage everyone to come. I mean, there is admission, but it's pretty low, so you don't have to worry about it. And if you come with 10 pink Yoplait lids, we lower the admission price. So um, how can somebody find out more information about um, Cheer Classic? They can visit our website, which is www.msucheerclassic.com. Right. And where can they go to find out more information about your soror uh, sorority, uh, Zeta Ta Alpha? Um, that website is www.msu.edu slash tilde ZTA. Excellent. All right. Well, I want to thank you all for coming on to the show. Um, and I do want to wish you luck with uh, Cheer Classic. It, it sounds like uh, you guys have put in so much effort for it. So, 
Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Well, coming up next on The Exposure, we've got MSU Upfront in the studio here on your Impact 88.9 FM. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. We're back with your exposure here at the Impact 88.9 FM. Um, right now we've got Sherry in the studio to talk a little bit about MSU and, and you, um, one of the Telecaster shows. So if you would like to ask Sherry any questions about MSU and you, feel free to give us a call at 432-3893. So Sherry, how are you doing tonight? Good, how are you? Not too bad. Um, do you want to give us a little bit more information about what exactly is MSU and you? Mm-hmm. MSU, MSU and you is a student-run um, television show and it's one of the four shows in Telecasters. Um, our show really deals with students, student life and student activities. Um, we have four segments to our show. We have an entertainment report. We have a man on the street report where we go on the street and talk to students about topics that are interesting to them. Uh, we also have a groupie report and we do we do a segment on groups and clubs at Michigan State. And the, our last segment is Hotspot. It's um, any place happening or fun at Michigan State. We've done like Lou and Harry's and different bars. So, all right. And um, how did you get involved in the organization or in this particular show? I mean, um, actually, the show is only about a year old. Um, I started on a different show in Telecasters, and me and one other person, um, Brian Murray, decided that we wanted to create something different. So we actually started. Up MSU and you all by ourselves. <laughs> all right. So I guess why did you guys think that um, MSU and you would be an important addition for the MSU Telecasters? Well, a lot of the other shows um, have actors and they're not on location shoots. Our shoots, we like actually go out and film where a lot of the other shows film just in studio. So we, we really thought there was like a need for that. What are some of the challenges to going on location and shooting? Um, you always have to call ahead of time, make sure it's okay to film there. Also, um, getting people to interview can sometimes be difficult, um, but you just got to keep trying. Right. And you mentioned that like there's four different parts to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, which show? Well, I guess which part of the show do you work with most closely? I'm a producer, so I work 
with all of the segments. Um, I am involved in all aspects of the show, from um, calling people, setting up interviews, setting up shoots, to going on location, to shooting, to editing. So, um, so uh, I, I guess, like, which part of the show would you say is probably your favorite? Um, I don't have a favorite, but we have had some really cool opportunities. Um, last year, we got to interview Jay Leno. Um, so that was a really cool opportunity. Uh, I also, we got to do a shoot with a ski team, and that was a really interesting shoot. Um, and we've got to interview Drew Stanton, and this coming episode is all about football. So we, like, I've gotten to go on ga- to game days and, like, film right on the field and get interviews with the players like, one-on-one. So it's been really interesting. Um, we also last season won a Michigan Emmy for um, the, sh- the show with Jay Leno. Excellent. What was it like meeting Jay, uh, Jay Leno? He's really, like, laid back. He, and down to earth, like, he was really funny and nice. And he actually, we were only supposed to get, like, five minutes with him, but he actually gave us more time and was really understanding and really nice. Okay. Uh, what was, like, a question that you got to ask uh, Jay Leno? Um, like, we asked him if he had any advice for students who are graduating, and he said, don't fall in love with a hooker. <laughs> That's his answer. <laughs> I can think. Fantastic. Um, and how was the shoot with the ski team so interesting? You mentioned that earlier. Um, just, like, filming, like, on the water, and we got to go, like, on the boats, and... It was just an awesome shoe. I mean, we get to do a lot of interesting things, but that's one that stuck that sticks out in my head. Um, we actually right now are filming with the MSU cheerleaders. Uh, we've done an MOS with tailgating, so that's fun. And we've, like I said, got interviews with many of the players. Got to go to press conferences um, to hear the coach speak, and it's just really it's really a fun time, and you get to do a lot of interesting things too. So. Okay. So, how many people um, are actually involved in producing the show? There's about 20 members, and there's different things you can do on the show. Um, you can be an editor, you can film, you can just help us on shoots via grip. Um, you There's four hosts um, and two producers on the show. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you did have a little bit of, uh, I'm going to guess, telecaster or telecommunication lingo. What's a grip? Oh, okay. <laughs> Usually they just, like, help us, like, with, like, setting up equipment or carrying stuff. Because it's a lot of work to carry all the heavy equipment and set it all up, so. Okay. Um, so I guess, like, if uh, what type of student um, gets involved in this organization or... A lot of telecommunication students, but then again, we have four hosts on our show, so any journalism students, um, I know we have some of those. We also always need um, advertising students, because we really do want to keep promoting the shows. Um, We do have one advertising student. And I guess, uh, well, something that might be important is, uh, when does the show air? Um, Our show airs Monday on Comcast Channel 30 from 6 to 6.30. And I think that's 28 in the dorms. Also, you can go on our website and view our show there. Uh, the website is www.telecasters.msu.edu. And you just click on MSU New and you can watch the show right online. Right. 
And how, how long does it take to produce one show? Well, we do two shows a semester, so in about two months. Oh, wow. A lot mm-hmm. of uh, time and effort. Yeah, it's a, lot of, it's a lot of work. All right. So um, I guess for you, um, why do you why do you keep on doing it? I mean, if it takes two months to put mm-hmm. together a show, what do you get out of the experience? I think you really have to have a passion for it. And what I get out of the experience, I just, I love doing it all the time. I think it's interesting. You get to meet interesting people um, all the time. It's something new. It's something different we're doing. So that's why I like it. Excellent. Well, Sherry, we don't want to keep you too long because we know that you have to get out of here. Um, And we also do have MSU up front in the studio. So, Sherry, I I do want to thank you for for coming in. Thank you. We appreciate it. So, MSU up front, we've got two gentlemen here to talk a little bit about that show as part of MSU Telecasters. Um, uh, Do you guys want to introduce yourselves really quick? I'm Robert. I am the band host for the show. Um, that's a separate section of our show. We have another section, which is a, a debate section. But uh, I'll let Nick explain it a little more since he's been in the show a lot longer than I have. So, Yeah, I'm Nick. Um, MSU Up Front is a uh, debate show. It's shot in studio. We have... Uh, it's, it's a four-part show as well, just like MSU and you. And we don't have actors. Um, we have... Uh, real people come in and talk about current issues that you know are involving the the everyday MSU student. Um, Robert is our host of the band portion, which is a uh, the more fun segment of the show. Um, we also have a sports debate, which is also you know it's sort of like a a quick a quick um, one minute answering portion and we have a main debate which is normally like the biggest thing going on for right now we have for instance like the governor debate so we're going to have somebody that supports Dick DeVos and somebody that supports um, Jennifer Granholm to come in and you know kind of get the students perspective on on how they uh, view their candidates so it's it's a really fun show to do all right, and really quick, we're going to throw the the number out there for exposure, just so that way, in case anybody has any questions for Robert and Nick um, about uh, MSU Upfront, feel free to give us a call at 432-3893. Uh, um, so, Robert, you're the band host. Yeah. Um, Nick, what do you? what is your association with MSU Upfront? I am, last year I was a cameraman and technical director. This year, uh, along with my friend Marion, we are co-producing the show. Right. How's that uh, been kind of like shifting from being behind the camera to kind of kind of running things? Um, it's a lot of fun. I I personally am not a uh, in front of the camera kind of guy. I like mm-hmm. to be behind the scenes, you know. And it's it's just it's more experience, you know. Working the camera is a lot of fun. You get to do you know cool things and learn how to quickly adapt and you know use your learning skills really like on on scene. And uh, but being behind even even more of the scenes, I, I would say, um, not being actually in the studio but in the control room, is uh, it's a great thing. You know, it's like it's kind of like putting all the pieces of the puzzle together, and it's a lot of fun. Um, what is the best debate that you've seen, or either of you guys have seen since um, you guys have been a, a part of the show? Uh, well, last last year the show kind of got revamped. It's it sort of died down for a little while, and and last semester we started the new MSU up front, which we were trying to get away from the old image a little bit. Um, last year, second semester, we had a debate about the Iraq War that we had 
two extremely intelligent people come in, um, one conservative, one liberal, who had completely opposite points of view, but really good facts and uh, to back really good facts to back up their statements. So it was really exciting. You know, they were professional about it. They went back and forth. Um, they let each other speak, but they also, you know, try to take command of the debate. And it was really exciting for me. And how do you guys decide who's going to be um, like representing which side on uh, the debates? Oh, well, that's good. That's a good question. Uh, we have our four hosts that try to get 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 people that are part of the MSU student body to come out and uh, you know speak their their point of view. It's none of the crew. The hosts just uh, delegate between the people, and uh, we just you know through word of mouth and emailing people that we know are. Uh, expressive in one way you know or, or have a certain point of view and we just try to uh you know find any student that is willing to come on and uh come in the studio right. and now robert um as far as like debate shows go we don't really think about music being tied no, into that really. so what do you think um the bands uh do for the show well i think it just it breaks it up a little bit because if you sit there and you're trying to watch people debate over something you might not be interested as well as other people it just kind of breaks the show up a little bit, makes it a little more interesting. And also, I mean, we have local talent come in to get them a little bit of exposure. A lot of people are doing this just because of their love of music. You know, like the band for our first show, they they don't have any gigs or anything yet, but this is going to get them going, you know, on the right track. People are going to see them if they like them, or maybe even someone that owns a bar will see them if they really like it. You know, that's a way that they can get in, in contact with them, you know, Maybe get them going. Right, so how long has the, the band portion been a part of the show? Well, this is my first year on the show. So, um, Nick, how long is it? I mean, with uh, the, the band portion started last uh, semester, second semester of last year. And uh, it, it is, it's one, of the, it's one of the best parts of the show, in my opinion, as far as, uh, you know, production-wise, because we get to do, like, artsy things with the cameras and, you know, try out new techniques. And um, I'm pretty sure as long as uh, Roberts, Roberts and Marion are along with it, I think it's going to be a part uh, for the, as the show's to come. Yeah, I think it's a blast. I mean, when I first came to the show, I'm, I'm in telecommunications, and this is something that I want to do, get into the studio, start getting some experience any way I can, you know. And, you know, I have a passion for music, too, so... This is great for me when I get to come in and talk to people just like me. I'm also a musician, so it's like I can relate to what these guys are doing, you know, helping them out. So I think it's a, I think it's a great part of the show. Right. Now you mentioned like the exposure for the bands. Like, have you have you heard about um, the first band that was on your show? Like, what are they doing now? The first band uh, was Delaying the Inevitable. I'm. I haven't actually kept in touch with them. I was. I wasn't a producer last year, so I didn't have like the information for them. I was mm -hmm. just. I was sort of, uh, just a guy that kind of showed up and loved to be there, you know. So, I'm sure they're doing good. They're a great band. They had uh, a violinist, which I thought was really cool, just to add into you know, uh, acoustic guitar and stuff like that. So it was really. It was really cool. And how many shows do you guys produce a year? Uh, all of Telecasters produces two shows a semester. So like. Um, Sherry said it takes about two months to produce a show. Um, for us, we have little post-production, which means that a lot of our shooting is done live to edit in the studio, and we sort of just need to piece it together. So our main, our main focus is coming up with the ideas, finding the people to be in our debates. Excellent. And finding the bands also. 
So a lot of times it's friends of people we know, or, you know, it's sometimes you might have to do a little more research, look around, you know, to look for some local talent to come on the show. Now, have you guys already aired your first show? No. We have not, no. Our our first show um, is going to air not this coming up Tuesday, uh, not a week from today, but a week, two weeks from today at 3 o'clock on uh, Channel 30, Comcast Channel 30 and 28 in the dorms. Okay. Um, so, any, because um, you mentioned that there's going to be the um, the governor debates. Is that going to be the show with the governor debate? It is, unfortunately. Um, I think that, I'm not quite sure exactly what the date is, but yeah, I think it's right around the same date as the governor election. But uh, unfortunately, that's how it's going to turn out this semester. Well, maybe not such a bad thing, because, you know, it'll be fresh in people's minds watching that and then going to the poll. So yeah, you guys could, you know, completely change the course of <laughs> the voting. Oh, yeah. Boy, a lot of pressure. More power to the MSU students, I guess. Sweet. Um, so what are you guys thinking about as uh, the first show kind of approaches to, to be aired? Well, as of right now, we've only, we filmed my section of the show, the band section, and I thought it went great. I mean, like you said, we film it. It's not live, but it, we film it like it's live. So, you know, I ask the band a couple questions. I lead them into a song. They play it, you know, and I come back, do the same thing. So we, we had a good interview. The band did great. They had some good songs. I was, you know, everyone in the studio felt good about it for our first take on everything. Mm -hmm. So as of right now, everything's looking good. And then tomorrow we're filming the rest of our show, the debate section. So... Yeah, it's, it, you know, it all comes together, and it, uh, it either comes together or, you know, you always have a little couple problems like, you know, technical things, audio's not working, for instance, or something along those lines. But, um, it's yeah, it's cool to see everything, you know, kind of come together, and tomorrow at 10 o'clock we should be done, and we'll just have a week of uh, post-production, and uh, we should have our first show wrapped, and, yeah, we're, we're excited about it. All right, and how can students get more involved in MSU Telecasters? MSU Telecasters is open to everybody. MSU Upfront only has auditions for hosts. Everything else, well, if you want to come and learn, and if you have no experience, you're more than welcome to come. If you like TV, you like, you like the whole production of it, please come out. Um, we'd be more than welcome to have you. You can check us out at uh, telecasters.msu.edu, and uh, we have a, 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 a show website there. And yeah, it's that's how I just got involved by someone coming into my classroom and saying, "We need extra help for this show. Anybody that wants to come, more than welcome to." And I took it as a, a great opportunity. All right, I'm just gonna actually look up the first date because oh, hey, it turns out that the first show is not on election day. It's on Halloween. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, that is Tuesday. Yeah, okay, yeah, well. So. Okay, that's great. You know, it airs at three before you go out Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, you can check out the show if you'd like. And, uh, yeah, that's great. Good week before the uh, debate, okay. or a few days at least. All right, sweet. Well, I want to thank both of you for coming on and telling us a little bit more about um, MSU Upfront. Do appreciate it. All right, thank Thanks you. for having us. All right, coming up next on Your Exposure, we've got Laura Dennison to talk about the student consulting for nonprofit organizations here on your Impact 88.9 FM. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact.
For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student, is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to boostup.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. Boostup.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, The Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. We'll be ready. We'll figure it out. Oh, hey, and we're back here with your uh, exposure here on the Impact 88.9 FM. Um, sad to say, Laura Dennison is not here, but she does have two gentlemen to come <laughs> in her place. Um, so if you have any questions, feel free to give us a call at 432-3893. So you guys want to introduce yourselves? Uh, yeah, I'm Joel. Mm-hmm. My name is Alex, and uh, I'm the director of corporate relations for SCNO. Okay. Um, so SCNO, uh, just kind of briefly want to talk about it a little bit, um, what it stands for, and what do you guys do? Uh, SCNO is a student's consulting for nonprofit organizations, and we kind of do just that. We are a completely student-run organization within the Eli Broad College of Business, and we work with local Lansing nonprofits over the course of a semester on engagements where we kind of tackle problems that they have that they may not have the expertise to work on themselves. Yeah, it's a really cool opportunity. What we get to do is go into these nonprofits in the area and do anything from marketing plans to fundraising strategy development to uh, total business plans that encompass budgets, uh, financial strategy, and we've even done some supply chain programs in the past. Right. Um, what organizations do you work with? Um, some things that we've done in the past, uh, a lot of them are very small, like kind of the below-the-radar uh, nonprofits, but we worked with uh, the American Red Cross, the... Uh, the Boys and Girls Club of Lansing, uh, YMCA of Lansing, to name a few. So, um, like, how, I guess, like, what sort of experiences um, do you guys bring to to give, like, professional expertise to these organizations? Sure. Like, well, first off, what a big part of what we do is for our students or for our members. Um, we get to bring kind of a professional expertise to them as well because they're actually in a business organization, but companies don't just come in and talk to us. We actually go to these nonprofits and do real-world business consulting projects. So the types of things that we can bring to these companies, again, like um, or to the nonprofits, is a lot of them have cash flow problems. They don't have any money, so we'll develop a fundraising strategy for how they can actually accrue some revenue. Um, I got to work on a project last year with a a company that's trying to get into business-to-business mediation. So we developed kind of a market penetration plan for them for how they can get the word out about what they do and, again, hopefully get their business off the ground. So I guess where did you guys learn how to do this? (laughs) Well, a lot of this stuff will come from like class experiences and background experience. And, you know, one of the great things about SCNO is that we we try to keep our teams diverse within the, the sense that we keep you know, like two members who are returning and then two new members. So the returning members kind of are able to offer those new members the the tools that they may need 
for that semester engagement and as well as you know we might put you know a finance major and a marketing and advertising you know all in the same project so people really get to round their skills in a way that you know they wouldn't with any other experience Sure, and a lot of what we do for our members, too, to give them the tools and the knowledge they need to do these consulting projects is they can always utilize the executive board. We've got a whole structure of team leads and project managers that have been around and have done the thing before. Um, we keep all of our old deliverables on file so they can always use those as a resource. We do a lot of professional workshops where we bring companies in to talk to us about you know, better ways to present to clients, better ways to conduct meetings, better ways to plan out the semester engagement. Right. Um, and how many bar uh, projects or different projects do you guys take on at a time? Uh, currently, we're working on 10 different engagements with five, roughly five members on each team. Uh, we have about 60 people within the organization. Uh, I think our historic numbers is we've worked on about 52 projects or, yeah, um, during the course of our existence at, S at MSU. Um, so it's actually only increased each year, and we kind of just came to... Uh, a plateau at 10 to kind of decide that that's the best for us to do within the organization. And um, why nonprofit organizations? Just because nonprofits don't really have the skills that, you know, other people may, you know, like the nonprofit may approach us with a problem that they, they, could fix, but they just don't have the resources or the people to do it. I mean, a lot of people will come to us and say, you know, we, we don't even know how to attract like potential donors to our organization. We don't have the time for people to go out there and do it, you know, and then that really gives us the opportunity to apply our skills to them. So, you know, that's, it's something that can't really be found in, in a for-profit business. Okay. And, um, I guess like, what are some of the results that you guys have seen with, um, the nonprofits that you've worked with? Well, um, we're, another thing I'd like to add is we're kind of a new organization. We've only been around for four years, and kind of some of the results that we hope to get are in the process of really kind of being calculated. We always get a feedback form each semester from all of our projects, and they tell us kind of what they liked, what they didn't, um, things that we can do to improve, and generally it's very positive. They love what we've done, um, and hopefully they're able to implement that. Um, Joel, if you got some. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of the organizations may come to us and say, you know, if, if we can't find a way to, to get our, our uh, resources, our, our funds up to a certain level within six months, so we're going to have to close our doors. And what we've really done to help them is, you know, implement those plans that, that start to get those, those revenues coming in or, and recognizing donors and everything else that they need to be doing to kind of sustain their existence, you know, not mm -hmm. necessarily growth. And a lot of organizations, I, I believe, would would not really be, you know, there or as well off as they are right now if it wasn't for the help that they received from SCNO. All right. Um, and what are some of the challenges that you guys face as students um, approaching these nonprofit organizations? <laughs> oh, I mean, I've I was on a project myself, and mm -hmm. I mean, the biggest problem is time. You know, this isn't this isn't your job. You're not a professional consultant. So, when you're working on a team with four other students, you really just you know, like trying to find times that work for everyone to work on everything to, you know, to squeak things in when they're not doing tests or finals or exams, you know, anything like that. It's just, it's really hard just to find that time. And then at the, in the same point, you know, just to find the most effective ways to help your nonprofit can be challenging sometimes because we don't have all that experience. You know, we're, we're learning as much as we're helping them. So... Absolutely. And a lot of times when nonprofits come to us and they say, we've got all these problems and we would like you to help. And 
a big part of what we do on the executive board is trying to narrow down that engagement scope, saying, hey, what's, what can we do for you realistically in the course of the semester? How can we help you? This is the resources we have. And then we really narrow that down. The better we can do that, the better our projects will be for our nonprofits. Right. And how did you guys get involved in this organization? Like, what drew you to it? <clears throat> well, I, I found out about it from a, a mutual friend, but, you know, it is kind of an up-and-coming thing, and we've grown vastly over the years. But it's it's an interview process. Um, over over the years, we've had to kind of search out for the nonprofits. A lot of them don't know about us until recently. Um, we actually rejected 50% of our nonprofit applicants. The community kind of knows about us now, and uh, we're able to pick and choose what projects we want to do, as well as pick and choose our members. We also denied 50% of our uh, applying applicants for membership, too. So we've really got a, a core group of students that are doing really good work, and they're definitely elite business students. Um, why do you think that students ha are so attracted to your organization? I think it's really because it just provides real-world experience to kind of build upon what they learn in classes. You know, I, and there's always those those times when you're sitting there in class and the professor says, all right, um, let me go over what a budget looks like, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, someone outside the corporation and or business. And, you know, that that's that's great and everything when you're in class, but when you sit down at the nonprofit and they say, this is my budget, you know, you actually get to real, like, really see what what it is, and you know, and and it just helps to take those things that you learn in class and then apply them to, you know, nonprofits and people that you can make a difference with. And I think a lot of people they they find that that's most the greatest thing about SCNO is that they give something back to the community. Absolutely. I mean, when you're an SCNO, you you get a lot out of being a member. You get that real world experience. There's probably not an interview question you won't be able to answer after being an SCNO. You get to get more involved in the business school. You get to get more involved in your classes. You get to get more involved in the community. It's a win win for everybody. I think. All right. Um, so, what have like some of your past members moved on to do? <laughs> it's it's actually pretty interesting because we have like we we attract some of the brightest within the Broad College of Business and. Uh, we've had people that go on to do investment banking in Bank of America at Deloitte. We've had people go on to Accenture Consulting. Um, the list is is like long and distinguished, and it's it, it's kind of impressive to see what people have done. And that's one of the things that we offer to our students is is we offer these experiences, but also you know that network to our past alumni. Which I mean, I've seen people get jobs from people who were in SCNO before, and they see that on their resume, and they're like, yeah, I want this person in the group because I know what it takes to be in that organization. Right. And what exactly does it take to be in your organization? You know, I think it takes a lot of drive. It takes a lot of passion. You know, it's there's a lot of times when, you know, classes start building up, you have personal problems, and, you know, SCNO is like the last thing that you want to think about, you know, but what it really takes is is that person that just has the initiative and the aptitude to really get it done. And one of the things that we do when we're in our interview process is, you know, we try to decide, is this person going to be a great fit for us? You know, are we going to be a great fit for them? And, you know, that comes down to, do they do they want it? And, you know, it doesn't necessarily reflect in a GPA. There's there's people in our, in our organization that don't have the most stellar GPA. Like, if that's what all it was based on, I think our organization wouldn't be where it's at right now because... It takes more than a GPA to really excel. Sure, absolutely. And we also require a pretty good time commitment. We ask, you know, four to five hours a week from all of our members. And, you know, sometimes it may be more, but probably most likely it be less. But you've got to be able to devote a lot of time to SCNO. You know. All right. And um, when are interviews for, um, like, potential applicants? 
Well, um, definitely check out our website. It's www.scno.org forward slash MSU. And um, we are already set for this semester. We've got our, all of our all of our general members, but next, sem- next semester we'll have some graduates and and uh, we'll be taking some more applications for, for membership next semester. And that sh- can all be found on our website. As well as any nonprofits that are interested, they can also check out www.scno.org backslash MSU. Excellent. And, uh, <laughs> and, you know, just check out the application process. So that goes for both students or nonprofits that are interested in the organization. All right. And um, I guess, like you mentioned before, that you guys are starting to be able to, like, pick the different projects that you want to choose. Um, what projects do you guys find interesting or, or what stands out when it comes to a nonprofit organization? What I think is, is kind of the you know, a great, you know, flag for, for us to pick someone is a nonprofit that presents a problem that, that isn't just a quick fix in and out. We, we try to offer a nonprofit strategy when it comes to our solutions. And, you know, we don't want to just create something for them and then leave it and then go because that's only going to help them for six months. So we look for nonprofits that, you know, have the problem of, you know, like dysfunction within the organization or, you know, something that we can do to help them that will help them for multiple years in time on. So we don't like to do busy work. You know, that's not what we're about. If a nonprofit comes with us and they ask us to do something that we think is, is you know, just kind of a, a delegation from someone else's position, then we're not going to take it. Yeah, absolutely. We don't move boxes. We implement business strategy. That's the way I like to think of it. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, I want to thank both of you for coming on to our show tonight. Thanks for having us. Well, I right, do thanks appreciate a lot. it. Um, coming up next on Exposure, we've got Steve Purchase in the studio to talk a little bit about some upcoming election um, information. So uh, stay tuned for that here on your Impact on 88.9 FM. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the cultural vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. And we're back here with your Exposure on the Impact 88.9 FM. Um, We're going to be wrapping up the show with Steve Purchase, who is somewhat of a frequent visitor to our show. (laughs) I've been on a couple times in the past few years for different electoral kind of gigs. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Steve, who are you representing today? Uh, Jim Marcinkowski. He's running for Congress uh, in the 8th Congressional District, which conveniently covers MSU. Excellent. And if you have any questions for Steve at all for the the next 10 minutes or so, feel free to give us a call at 432-3893. So, Steve, how'd you get involved in Jim's campaign? Um, Well, really, it began uh, while I was still a student here, just graduated in May, um, being involved in the MSU College Democrats and um, 
you know, being involved in local politics in general. Um, Jim came to campus one day and uh, not only wanted to talk to students, but take questions from students, and uh, that kind of intrigued me. And uh, when there was an opportunity to join the campaign, I, I jumped on it because uh, I saw in Jim someone who uh, could give voice to students and to um, all of the, the citizens of the 8th District. So um, I guess, like, why do you think that Jim is appealing for students? Um, because more so, we're fortunate in that we're located in Lansing, and a lot of candidates do come to campus and um, at least make a swing through and give us their spiel, and some take questions. Um, but from the beginning of his campaign, uh, Jim has uh, made it very clear that it's about giving a voice to the people of the 8th Congressional District. And he's come to campus a few times and, and really shown that students matter. And particularly if you look at the history of the 8th District and how our current congressman, Mike Rogers, was elected, uh, you know, I, I saw, you know, Jim Marcinkowski, someone who uh, could uh, kind of make up for some of the, the uh, misdeeds uh, that this district has suffered in the past. Um, What do you mean by misdeeds? Um, Well, I I mean, I would say that um, in 2000, Mike Rogers uh, became our congressman, uh, winning the election by 88 votes. Um, And part of the reason was campus turnout was very low. Um, And uh, part of the reason for that is because as a state senator, Mike Rogers passed legislation uh, which... Uh, by consequence, disenfranchised student voters uh, might know of the name, the the Motor Voter uh, Act, and it says that you should vote where your driver's license has your address, and that was used uh, to encourage students to not register to vote on campus. Uh, There were some scare tactics, you know, you might lose your insurance or other things of that nature, and um, so, you know, campus didn't turn out and we were stuck with a representative who not only uh, doesn't represent MSU uh, cutting billions of dollars out of higher education, but one who um, in the past, you know, acted to, uh, in one way, kind of silence our voice. And what work have you been doing for um, Marcinkowski's campaign? Um, I've been doing a lot of community outreach Um, I've been uh, interfacing with the MSU College Democrats to some extent, um, and they've got their their efforts up and rolling, as they always do, registering voters and making sure that uh, the student voice is heard in elections by all candidates uh, who are running on the ticket. Um, I'm also doing some organizing outside of the campus in uh, Lansing and in Clinton County and, and just trying to spread the word about Jim. Um, and there are a couple of events coming mm-hmm. up. Um, do you want to talk about them a little yeah, bit? Yeah, there are. Um, the first is actually not one of uh, the campaign's events, but it's a nonpartisan uh, kind of get-out-the-vote uh, concert series that I think um, Impact listeners might have some interest in, I hope, um, at the Temple Club on October 20th from 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. They're going to feature 20 bands and interspersed between the bands, uh, candidates are going to be welcome to the stage to share a few message, uh, their campaign's message. I know Jim is uh, planning on making an appearance there, Um, but there's uh, no cover at the door, so you're welcome to, you know, enjoy uh, a variety of different 
types of music from country to jazz to hip-hop to uh, rock and so it should be a, a fun event all right now um why do you think that this is going to draw a uh, draw out um, voters? Like, who who are you trying to draw out with this event? Um, younger voters, in in particular, um, and this is the the second year uh, that the gentleman who has put uh, who puts the event together has set it up. And last year they did it over the course of two days and had seven hundred people attend each day. Uh, and so he's looking to build on last year's success and you know kind of use music to. Um, to put the issues out there and to connect young voters with candidates while they can enjoy themselves, you know, in, in one evening, um, which I think is a good idea. And, and you know, if, if you look back, you know, over the history of MTV and such, there's always, you know, it, it kind of a, a unique relationship between politics and music. Uh, music can be quite political, so um, it should be a good time. All right. Um, so I guess like... Uh what exactly is Jim going to address at this particular event? Um, you know, Jim will focus on, you know, why he's running and uh, what he sees are uh, some of the issues facing this district and how um, he can uniquely bring a new perspective and uh, some solutions to Washington for us in the district. All right. Oh, well, I guess, like, what are some of the solutions that he's discussing for, mm -hmm. well, if not for the district, but for the state of Michigan, so. Yeah, um, well, I mean, I guess I can start with jobs, because that's the one that everyone's talking about, from the governor to the senator on down. Um, and the reality is, a lot of the decisions that affect, uh, you know, where plants locate are based in Congress. Um, Michigan isn't competing against Indiana and Chicago and, you know, the other states around us so much today as they're competing with China and India and South America and countries that pay, you know, really poor la uh, labor uh, wages and have poor environmental standards. And because of free trade agreements in Congress, um, are able to take advantage of a, of a slanted playing field uh, to the disadvantage of the American worker. Uh, so Jim uh, first wants to take a look at those free trade agreements and uh, see what we can't do to level that playing field. Um, first, because it's an issue that that affects Michigan workers, but second, because it's also a moral issue. Um, you know, should Americans be paying for products that are built, uh, you know, at the expense of workers abroad who make pennies a day and when the environment is exploited in the process? Or should we, you know, stand up and say enough is enough, uh, not only because we need a, play, a fair playing field for our own workers, but because um, we shouldn't tolerate uh, those kinds of abuses abroad? All right. Um, and I guess... Uh how can people find out more about um, Jim Marcinkowski's campaign? Well, the easiest way would be vote-jim.com. Uh, it's our website, and uh, there you can learn all about his positions. All right. And I kind of jumped the gun a little bit because um, are there any up other upcoming events? Um, sure. Um, we actually also are going to be... Uh, 
holding an event with Marianne Williamson, um, who's uh, a nationally known uh, speaker and author, um, and she'll be speaking on uh, what her vision of a new America is, about new ethics and uh, new values and uh, kind of a new direction for the country. Um, and so we've got, um, you know, there are, there are student tickets available for $10, uh, which is a, a, a good rate. It's all right. Um, any other events coming up? Um, no, I, I mean, other than, you know, we could, uh, you know, the typical election activities of mm -hmm. going door to door and, and meeting with voters and, and all, of, all of the rest of it. All right. Excellent. Um, and if you want to just drop the, the name for, the, for Jim's website really quick. Yeah, vote-jim.com. All right. And I guess, like, as the election is coming up, um, what are you, I, I guess, what are you thinking about right now? Um, you know, we're thinking about uh, spreading Jim's word. Uh, we've found that when voters hear Jim's message, they respond. Uh, and I think that's because he has a positive message for the district um, and uh, a positive message for Michigan and the country, and uh, they're responding to it. Excellent. All right. And uh, are you guys still looking for um, volunteers? Certainly are. We'd love to have any volunteers. You know, it, you know students are, are welcome to check us out. Our office is right in, in Lansing, just off campus, west of Frandor. Um, and, and we're happy to answer any questions anybody has or um, put you to work. All right. Excellent. Well, Steve, I want to thank you so much for coming on to our show tonight. We do appreciate it. Okay. Um, and once again, like the, the website for um, Jim Marcinkowski, if anybody's interested um, in learning a little bit more about uh, what are his issues and the platform that he's standing on, that's vote-jim.com. Correct. Excellent. And he's going to be, well, once again, coming up for the 8th District. Yes. Against Mike Rogers. Correct. Awesome. All right. All right. Thank Sweet. you so much, Melissa. No problem. Thank you. And I mm -hmm. hope you have a good night and good luck with the campaign. Thank you. All right. And that's all that we have for your exposure tonight. It looks like um, Progressive Torch and Twang is ready in the studio for the, for their show that's coming up at 8 o'clock. Um, so that's about it. I hope everybody has a great Tuesday. Um, and this has been your exposure on Impact 88.9 FM. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.